Hi, and welcome to the iPhone Life Podcast. I'm Donna Schill, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. I'm David Averbach, CEO and Publisher. Each week, we bring to you the best apps, top tips, and great gear in the iOS world. David just got his new iPhone 14 Pro Max. Did. And we're Came gonna, in last night. Yeah, so we're going to get his hands-on reviews of, review of it and some comments from listeners today as they get their new phones, and that's all coming up in this episode. If you're watching the podcast, you may notice Donna and I have switched sides, <laughs> and it is really disorienting. It's really throwing us off. So we, we both seem... got these weird smirks on our face because we can't quite figure out where we are on the screen. Yeah, if I'm acting like David today and he's acting like me, you'll know why. You'll know why. It's the side. Yeah. Um, also, I'm jealous that you got your new phone and I still haven't gotten mine. I am excited to tell you all about it slash humble brag did you order it direct from apple or I ordered it direct from apple i also believe i ordered it significantly earlier than you you did not so to... yeah <laughs> <laughs> so we'll talk about that as well in this episode there's a lot of trade-in deals and then also just like varying speeds of getting your phone depending where you order it from uh so we can chat about that too but we have a couple of sponsors today so david's going to tell you about them first yes so we have two sponsors today. The first sponsor I'm going to tell you about is GoBuddy. And GoBuddy has uh, a wide range of affordable, practical products for your iPhone and your Apple devices like your Apple Watch. Uh, they are sold on Amazon. And the product I want to tell you about today, it's a really simple solution like all their products are really. But I find it really useful. So whenever I travel, I take all of my electronic cables and chargers and adapters and I throw them in a Ziploc bag and it looks ugly and it's hard to keep them organized. Uh, but like you need to put them somewhere. They have a vegan leather carrying case for your electronics. Uh, it, it looks nice. It keeps your electronic cables more organized and it's affordable. So it's really a no brainer. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes, um, but you can look for them at GoBuddy. At, on Amazon, or you can go to GoBuddy.com, G-O-B-U-D-I. Our second sponsor, I don't believe I've told you guys about them, and that is Skylum. And they have a software that uses AI to touch up your photos. And it's, a, it's Mac compatible, so it has a Mac app. And it's really cool. It's really powerful. You can, for example, you can use AI to like add magic hour light, like the beautiful golden light you can add uh, one of my favorite features you can add a bokeh effect after so normally on your iphone it uses software to do like quote unquote portrait mode and then blur the background but sometimes either you want to take a photo quickly or various reasons you may not do it on your phone so their software lets you do it after the fact in post-production uh, it also easily lets you remove yourself from the background add different backgrounds all these really fancy features but unlike Photoshop, it's really easy to use because it's all with AI. So make sure you check it out. Uh, at I uh, will put links to show notes, but the company's called Skylum, and the app is called Luminar Neo. I want magic hour light on all my selfies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so those are our sponsors. All right. I also wanted to take a moment to tell you about our free offering. It's called the iPhone Life Tip of the Day. Some of you listening at home may already be on it. Uh, we send you a tip every day that teaches you something you can do with your iPhone in under one minute. You can go and sign up at iphonelife.com slash daily tips. Again, this is totally free and it's a really simple and easy, low commitment way to learn, like discover all the cool things your iPhone can do that you probably don't know about already. Um, so I wanted to take a moment to tell you about a feature in the mail app, which 
it's kind of been a long time coming and that's how to um, unsend a message after you've already sent it. With iOS 16, Apple's coming out with a ton of new features. So we've been, you know, sending them out in our newsletter every day. And some of them, I feel like are good podcast topics though, because there's like different situations you'd want to use them that we can chat about yeah. here. So with the, um, with the mail feature, it's something you can only do within 10 to 30 seconds of sending an email. Whereas with the messages app, you can unsend a message within two minutes. So they work a little different. Like this is kind of for that, like, Oh no moment after you send a message <laughs> where you're like, I think I left a typo or I told them the wrong date for the, you know, appointment. I, I want to say I forgot to attach it. This is what I always do. Oh. I go attached is this document. And then I don't actually attach it because I space out. And so that's this like is an embarrassing option. mistake. Yeah. Too. I've totally done that where you send something like see attached, no attachment. And then you get the grumpy email back being like, uh, I don't see anything. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so now with the mail app, when you send a message, you'll see at the bottom of your email, because this is a super simple tip, because all you do is like when you send it, you'll see an option that will let you undo that you can just tap within 30 seconds. But the little hack here is that you can actually adjust the amount of time you can do that in. It's between 10 to 30 seconds. If you go into the settings app and go to mail and you can customize it from there. And so this is an important point because unlike with the messages app, which is actually sending the message and then deleting it from the other person's phone, the mail app is actually just delaying delivering the email. So there might be reasons that you want to keep it at 10 seconds if you're like, if you need an know. email delivered in 10 seconds yeah, flat. I'm, I'm trying to think of a reason why. Well, I mean, it is worth knowing because, like, there definitely are times where I'm literally on the phone with somebody yeah. and I'm sending them something, let's say a, a link to a Zoom call. I'm on the phone with them. I'm trying to get them to go on a Zoom call. I email yeah. them. And knowing that it's going to be two minutes for that to arrive is worth knowing. Wow. Nicholas, our editor, is calling me. <laughs> Sorry about that, David's guys. very popular. I'm so popular. Um... No, so that's a really good example because I think in today's world, in 2022, we do expect our communication to be instantaneous. And yes. with most of the time, it is when you're texting. Um, and so when you're emailing, you might be thinking it's actually delivering it to that person's inbox and then like taking it off, but it's not. That's also kind of comforting though, because there's not no chance that they actually saw it. And uh, and then it was like suddenly gone. From yeah, it's it's a it's a double edged sword because like yeah. you're saying on <laughs> on messages. They may have seen it. And if they didn't see it, they will see a message saying that you unsent it. And right. so it like it, you get the instant send and you can instantly take it back. But you have this trade off where they can either see it before you take it back or they're going to be like, why did you unsend it? What did you unsend? Now I'm way more curious than I would have been otherwise. <laughs> In our iOS 16 class, Colin, one of our teachers was saying it's like like with with mail, it's like going and putting a piece of mail in your mailbox and then going and taking it out before the post person gets there. Whereas with texting, it's like sending it to their actual house and then like going and breaking into their house to steal the letter like, back. Yeah. And they may or may not have seen it. They may it. or may not be literally reading it as you steal it back. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's pretty different. Uh, but anyway, I wanted to let you all know that that is available. Some sender, like some um, uh, mail providers already supported this feature like gmail if you're using yeah. not apple's mail client so some of you may be already using this but now you can do it through the mail app with all of your email accounts that you have set up on it yeah and gmail actually has a feature where if you say see attached and don't attach it'll remind you so maybe ios 17 will have that. yeah <laughs> 
All right. I also wanted to take a moment to tell you all about our premium subscription called iPhone Life Insider. We have over 14,000 people now who are part of this program where we help you master all of your Apple devices. So whether you have an iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Mac, AirPods, etc., we have all the content that you need to make sure that you're really enjoying them to their, to their fullest. We have video guides, we have live classes with instructors. We have a feature called Ask an Expert where you can send in your questions and someone on our team directly will get back to you and give you personal assistance. We have a digital subscription to iPhone Life Magazine. You get the full archive of over 30 back issues of iPhone Life, including all of our best gear and app rep recommendations over the years that have been hand tested by our uh, editors and writers. And you also get an ad free version of this podcast with bonus content from David and me. So go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount to sign up. We just came out with our iOS 16 guide that has an over 170 page downloadable PDF you can have as a reference for you. Uh, for all of the features. There's a ton of them that are not visible to the eye when you first download, uh, but are really, really valuable. So the guide will make sure you have that, plus videos that go along with it too. You also get an ad-free version of this podcast with bonus content from David and me. So you can go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount. And right now we're offering 50% off your subscription and of course, instant access to the full iOS 16 guide with the videos and downloadable PDF. So again, it's iphonelife.com slash podcast discount. And I will say this is the best deal that we offer all year round with the 50% off. Plus, um, as some of you may already know, we offer a 10% senior discount that you can apply on top of all of our other discounts. So you can get up to 60% off right now. So I have an insider question that I wanted to share with all of you. It's also on the theme of iOS 16 and unsending and editing messages. We just talked about unsending mail and how that works differently. But we had an insider write in wanting to know what is the difference between undoing a text message and editing a text message and in what circumstances would you want to do one over the other, which I think is a good, good thing to yeah, discuss and totally. talk about. I can just speak for myself how I've been using it. And that's that I re really only use undo send if it was something like embarrassing that I'm hoping they didn't <laughs> see and I want to send it back. So if it was a small typo, I'm going to edit it. If it's something where I'm like, oh, shoot, for whatever reason, I would rather they just didn't even see I sent that at all, then I'm going to undo send. And that's because when you edit a text message, they can actually see the train of edits that you've made to it. I didn't actually realize this <laughs> no, until was, the other day. I didn't day. know that either. So first, let me just talk about how they work. They're both a little bit different. So undoing sending a text message, you can do within two minutes of the initial send. As we just talked about, it does get delivered to their device. They may see it during those two minutes and they'll be notified that a message was deleted when you do the undo send feature. Mm -hmm. But so you have two minutes versus 10 to 30 seconds with an email. If you edit a text message, you have 15 minutes to do that after the initial send. And they'll see the train of edit. They can see you can edit it up to five times, I believe was what it was. <laughs> and if they tap, it'll show a little blue text below it that says edited. And if they tap that blue text, 
And usually with your phone, if it's blue, it means like it's an action button. It can do something. Mm -hmm. So if you tap that, it'll expand and it'll show all the edits you made to the message. <laughs> no, I didn't know that at all. And I think a lot of people don't know that. Which it's shows really that maybe people don't click on it very much. I bet most people don't. Yeah. But I, yeah, I thought that was like a little nugget that I didn't realize. Whereas <laughs> the undo send will just be like a little gray message that say message was deleted or mm -hmm. something like that. Um, so yeah. My take on it is that un that undoing a send you should use sparingly and you want you also shouldn't send something on purpose that you want them to see and then delete. Like, I feel like there's room for abuse here, too, that people should not like don't use it like Snapchat or something. You <laughs> there's know? a little room for abuse just in general with these features where you could send, for example, although it sounds like this is what, why they have the feature. You can see the edits. But for example, you could send something really mean and then edit it to something nice and they were trying to like show their friends or whatever and say, look how mean he is. And then really uh, it says something nice. So there's some room there, but I yeah. agree with the basic premise that unsend is for a mistaken text. If you text the wrong person, whether it's embarrassing or not, yeah, I would usually unsend. Or if I like send something that was also, if I send really wrong information, for example, yeah. like if I send the wrong address, I may not go in and edit it because then they maybe saw the address. I'll just unsend. So, but unsend I use pretty sparingly. Edit is typically for me for typos, which I do yeah. a lot and I have a lot. But one warning right now for everybody is that you can edit texts to anybody, uh, at least to anybody who has an iPhone. I'm not sure. Will it work on an SMS? I don't think it will. No, both of these features are iMessage only and for the latest operating system. Well, that's what I was getting I ready thought. to say. They So if they have an iPhone, you can edit the message. But if they do not have iOS 16, the functionality doesn't work very well. So, for example, if they don't have iOS 16 and you edit a text, they'll get a second text that says, David just edited the text to this. <laughs> yeah. But it's still there. It's still, it's not like you edit it and you can s secretly, if you go poke around, find what the original version is. It's just like right there. So it's kind of funky. And if you unsend and they don't have iOS 16, it won't unsend. So right now we're in a little bit of a transition time where some people have iOS 16, some people don't. So editing is a little bit weird because of that. And I've sort of been struggling with that because I... If I have a small typo up until this point, I'll often just not bother correcting it because who cares and they mm -hmm. can read it. If they have iOS 16, I'll correct it because it annoys me. But if now if they have iOS 15 and I go correct it, it, it'll just be a really weird user experience for them. So I don't just be a little careful that if they don't have iOS 16, this functionality doesn't work that well. Yeah, I, I want I feel like this is a feature that it's going to take a while for user behavior to change now that yeah. it's available. I'm finding that with myself, at least, where a lot of times I would either not correct a typo or I'll just send a follow up text being like correcting what I said. And I have to be like, take a minute to be like, oh, wait a second, I can go edit that or I could unsend it instead of just doing my usual thing that I've been doing for years. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> I think it's a good a good like comparable was when apple came out with reactions to texts yeah where it, now it, people use them all the time now everybody uses them all the time but it took a while to gain traction a lot of people didn't yeah. use them and it was the same thing where if you weren't on the most recent operating system you got a text message that said david liked the following text and it was a weird user experience so you're right i think it'll take a few months to maybe even a year to fully have this be like a normal way we use our phones. Yeah. Like, are you seeing other people who don't work at iPhone life using these features or not really? 
No, but also I don't pay a ton of attention to that little edit button, clearly. So they might yeah. be, and I'm not noticing it. I feel like you would notice it. But I will say anecdotally, for whatever reason, it feels like people are slower to upgrade to iOS 16 than in previous operating yeah. systems, and I don't know why. I feel, I don't think I've seen a single person edit or unsend a message to me yet. Um, I've only, you know, done it with like testing at iPhone life. I've done it in messages with yeah. other people because I'm starting to to take advantage of it. And I, you know, know it's there, but I think a lot of my friends don't and family members. I would like to make this a question of the week. I'm curious for our listeners how they're liking the editing and unsending message and if they're using it. Yeah, although I will say our listeners tend to be like us. Yeah. They're enthusiasts, so you all probably you are, are, but are your friends using it? Because <laughs> I bet they're not. I, know. I, I find myself, this is such annoying, like, enthusiast behavior, but I find myself being a little bit annoyed at my friends for not updating to the recent operating system so that I can't use this functionality with them. <laughs> I know, and I'm annoyed at my Android friends. Like, one of my best friends, I've been trying to get her to switch over from Samsung for so long so that mm. I can have group texts with her in ways that aren't annoying. I still get the reaction thing from yeah, her exactly. when I, anytime I react. It it's might, a mess. It might be time to unfriend her. Yeah, it's you time. You gave her several years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that can be a question of the week, too. Do you, do you, you mess with Android? With Android? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, email podcast at iphonelife.com, though, for real, to let us know how you're liking editing and unsending messages and in what scenarios you do either. Uh, one thing we added to when we're in, in the course, we're talking about if you did ever have someone text you something not cool, screenshot it because now they can un then now, now they, they can, can unsend it. it. So yeah. that's another little bonus thing in there. If you ever feel the need to keep track of that kind of thing. Um, I feel like screenshots in general have a lot of uses and yeah. it's a good thing to know how to do. I feel like that all this stuff is a little cringe though like Agreed. how many times in your life are you trying to document an angry text like hopefully not very many <laughs> yeah yeah like i won't answer that question but <laughs> <laughs> one would hope but sometimes you do yeah moving along we had some good uh listener comments that i wanted to read out last um episode we were asking who's upgrading their devices and why and so we had some some comments from people uh, Egon wrote in, Egon, I'm not sure how, if I'm saying it right. I'm going to Edinburgh to pick up an iPhone 14 pro. As soon as I get an appointment at the moment, I'm using my iPhone 12 pro I'm updating because I like the always on display. And I'm also exchanging my present phone for 380 pounds. So this is interesting. Last episode, we talked a lot about how, if you have an iPhone 11 pro, especially or newer, then maybe you don't need to upgrade unless there's a great upgrade deal. Mm -hmm. And But there are a lot of amazing deals. Yeah. So I totally think there's a good reason to do it, what he's doing, especially if you're an enthusiast and you want the new stuff. Yeah. Um, we also had someone else write in, I usually upgrade annually. So true, true fan person. This year, no exception. exception. I've been with the pro model for several iterations. I have the 13 pro currently, but I'm moving to the 14 pro max this year mainly because I had a couple Apple gift cards I needed to use. Oh, and the, and the, so it sounds like this person has friends and family that know that they love Apple stuff. <laughs> anyway, this one, there, there, we had a lot of good details in here, um, but that, that was the main point. Jean wrote that in. Then we had a married couple write in, Joe and Anita. My wife and I chose the iPhone 14 Pro Max. We wanted the bigger and better camera and everything else. The safety features are a plus. So thanks all for writing in. 
Um, not totally surprised that most of yeah. our people writing in are Apple enthusiasts, in which case, even if you don't absolutely need the new device, you want them, same as us. Yes, they're <laughs> definitely fun. Yes. So let's get into your hands-on review of the it. 14 Pro Max. Uh, David and I chatted a little bit last night, so I know some of it. And I have to say, I was surprised on your take on the always on display. Okay, and I well, wanted to start with that. I have an update for you oh. on that. So oh. I want to add a caveat in general for all this stuff because I texted Don and then instantly changed my mind. Uh, <laughs> and so the caveat is that I've had this new phone for less than 24 hours. And a lot of these things take a couple weeks of hands-on experience to truly form an educated opinion. Yeah. But let's talk about always on display. Um, just to back up, always on display, as the name implies, your lock screen remains on even when your phone is inactive. So if you don't have the most, if you don't have the iPhone 14, your phone will go to sleep and your, your display will be black. But if you have the 14 or 14 Pro, uh, then you have always on display. Um, I, the reason why Donna was surprised was that I had been a large advocate for it being a not very useful feature. I didn't think I would use it or like it. And I found myself being pleasantly surprised by it. Um, what I realized is that there's a middle ground scenario. So the reason why I didn't think I'd like it is when I'm out in public with my friends or doing something, I usually keep my phone face down. And so deliberately so that I'm not disturbed, I'm not distracted. And I, um, therefore the always on was not going to be useful to me, but I realized that there's a lot of times, whether I'm just working or just hanging out at home where I have my phone face up and it was kind of nice just to see it. Um, I could see if I had any notifications, I could see the time, the date, the weather, cause I have widgets on my lock screen now. Also, I could very easily see, uh, how it would be really useful with the new active widgets. What are they called? Live activities. Yeah, I don't have any yet, but if I did, let's say I had the score of the game on, that would be really cool. Yeah. The other thing I liked is it had a cool functionality where it used the face, I, the face ID uh, thing to tell if I was looking at my phone. And mm. when I did, it would instantly light up. So it wasn't the most useful feature, but I liked it more than I thought I would. But here's my update. Because this is where like, I texted when Donna. When you say light up, you mean go from the kind of dim always on to like a full lock screen? Yeah, so this is a good caveat. The always on display is not the same display that you have when you're actually using your phone. The buttons aren't active. You can't use them. It's dim and the widgets are kind of hard to read, but the time is there. Very similar if you have an Apple Watch to how your Apple Watch is when it's on always on display. Okay. So it's not a fully functional display it's kind of a middle ground where it, you can tell it's sleeping but you can see some of it hmm. that's interesting because a lot of the reviews i was reading was like i wish that it showed less that it was like really just the time or something where because like the the otherwise that it can be a bit distracting yeah i don't know i think I don't find it that distracting. I think I'm staring at it now. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> the widgets are there. I mean, you can see it. It's it's fine. Yeah. The main thing, I mean, the time is huge, which we've also had people complain to us in the course. Like, can we make the lock screen time <laughs> smaller? No, you can't, unfortunately. But for the always on display, it makes sense. So let me tell you now why I changed my mind and I hate it. Oh, this okay. Is a, this is a roller coaster. You guys <laughs> get to experience the roller coaster of my night. I went to charge my phone. And I have a Qi wireless charger. In fact, I have a MagSafe charger. So it's a display, keeps my phone vertical. Uh -huh. And there's no option to, to 
to put it to sleep altogether. Really? Even if your phone's in sleep mode? Even if you're, there is no sleep mode. The sleep mode is, it's on. Well, sleep mode is like the fo focus mode for sleep. Uh, I, I went into the focus modes and they did not give me any controls. Now, maybe huh. this was my first night. Maybe it would have eventually turned off altogether, but I don't think so because it's always on display. And I went into the settings and there's no settings that give you any options. It's just binary. You have always on display on or off. So like all night, basically your phone would be like lighting up with notifications and just on like it, it's just like it's like having a night, an unwanted nightlight in your room. Oh, that's be terrible. Because I always use a Qi wireless charger. So it's always face up. Uh, and because I have a MagSafe Qi wireless charger, it's literally just facing my bed glowing at me. That's really weird. And I hated it. Yeah. And I spent a little while fussing with it, trying to fix it. Uh, and I was particularly grumpy <laughs> because I um, this is a little bit of a side note, but I broke my foot last week. So I got in, I like had to, like, I got in bed, I took my boot off and I was getting ready to go to bed. And I'm like, oh my God, it's glowing. And I had to like limp over all the way across my room to go get it, try to <laughs> oh, figure no. it out and then limp back and try And like, I just ended up turning it off. So I will continue to fuss with it. I'm guessing Apple down the road will give me a option. Like what they need to do is give you an option when, when you're charging it, always on display, it's not on. Or if you put on a certain focus mode, it's not on. They didn't give me that option. That well, so do you use sleep mode? I or what did you say? You I did have with it on do not mode? disturb. I do not have a specific sleep mode. I'm wondering maybe if I did, if that would solve yeah, it. Yeah, I feel like you should try that and report back to us next podcast. Okay, I will. Um, one thing David and I have talked about is that this will be will give kind of like evolving reviews of these devices over the next yeah. weeks, like as I get mine, and then also as we have more hands on time. Um, but right now, a complaint I have about sleep mode is that it makes my i don't have access to my lock screen and it dims everything down really dark and there's no option that i've found that i can get to make that not happen oh interesting. um and so i'm wondering if that would be actually a nice thing for the always on display because i'm about to get my always on display too and i also have a magsafe charger in my bedroom which i was about to recommend as a must-have gear for your new <laughs> iphone and now this this will be a little more controversial i'll report back because i did go there is a setting in your do not disturb where it, you can say dim lock screen when it's on, but it's still, the dim is still always on. Yeah, that's so weird. Yeah. So I will report back, but I'm pretty sure, like, because I have the do not disturb on right now and you can see it's on. Yeah. So we'll report back, but I was really frustrated by that feature. It seemed like such a silly thing. How did it, how so far has it affected battery life? Because I know Apple is, you know, had a lot of tall claims about the amazing battery life of the 14 line in general, especially the pro line but with always on display. It's hard to imagine it wouldn't impact it. Yeah. So again, this is where we need to have several podcasts report yeah. back and have weeks of hands on because I'm less than 24 hours in and I've already charged it and I have a max. So the answer is that like right now I am currently at 87 percent because I just charged it. I don't know. Yeah. We'll okay. see. I have to report back after a week or two on that. Yeah, I'm curious about that for sure. Okay, so that's always on display. Yeah. The other features to go over with you guys are Dynamic Island, which is mm -hmm. the probably the most exciting. Uh, Dynamic Island, just to recap, uh, for those who have, haven't been listening to our podcast as often, is instead of the notch, Apple has a little circle in your phone. It's actually an oval. And that's where it keeps the uh, front-facing camera and the Face ID sensor. And what they've done is basically a software solution to use that space, not only for the sensors, but actually use it actively for notifications and things like that. 
Did I describe that clearly? Yes. No, you did a great job. So basically, it's still not completely an edge-to-edge display that yes. you get with the 14, but they've it's not the big cutout. I think they've reduced the size of it by like 30% or something. Yeah, it's smaller than the notch, which is important. And it's not attached to the top of the display. It's a it's an it's an island. It's an island. It's and a- and so now like they've Apple's using that space to have like notifications and controls in that little area. So it's like the merging of software and hardware in a way that seemed in the announcement kind of cool. Like everyone, yeah. in the, like it was one of the things that actually I was like, I want that. Yeah. Um, which seemed, I don't know, that alone wouldn't be a reason to upgrade, but definitely it's like something special you get with the 14 Pro and Pro Max mm-hmm. and you don't get it with any of the other devices. So do you think it's cool? So uh, <laughs> I, again, I want to report back after a while. I would say I would give it mixed reviews. Um, I think it's really cool. I also kind of like what you're saying. I don't think it is a crazy new feature that's worth upgrading for. Um, most of the time, it's still just a black a black box. It's not a notch anymore. It's a little lower, but it's basically the same thing. Um, mm. I really like the solution. I think it's a really good solution. At, the, at times when I found it really helpful where, for example, if I'm listening to a podcast or a song or something, it shows what song I'm listening to in that little area, and it shows a few things, and I can just tap on it, and it pops up a little display that lets me either change my song or skip forward on the podcast, things like that, without so like having... It expands. It expands, like- but not to the full app, which I really liked. I thought it was a really... In general, I think it's a really smart software hardware solution um that was a good example another good example is if you have maps open let's say you're doing turn by turn it will show your next turn in that space mm. um and it just same thing all the a lot of activities on your phone come from that space now so for example for face id it'll give the little circle that says it's recognizing your face in that space. So it is nice because it doesn't feel like a dead space on your phone anymore. It feels like a valuable space on your phone. So it it makes your phone feel a lot like edge-to-edge display instead of just having a dead notch. And the question is whether, like, Apple, more things will start using the dynamic island over time, right? Because it sounds like just a little limited. That that is my... I don't even want to call it a complaint. It was... I think a really brilliant solution that I appreciate. I just think that most of the time I don't have things in that space. And so it's not that exciting. Most of the time I didn't notice it that much. Mm, Okay. Do you know if third-party apps will start using the dynamic? I was wondering that exact thing because that would be, well, okay. I will say they, I was using a third-party podcast app and that was working. Oh, I'm guessing Google Maps works. So I think you can do third-party apps actually. Mm. But the question is, will there be more and more innovative solutions for that space? Yeah. I am guessing there will be. I also think it's one of those features that everybody will enjoy having. It's just if, in general, my overall impression right now, just to give the kind of bottom line spoiler, it's a nice phone. I'm really happy with it. But I barely noticed that I upgraded phones. Really? Barely noticed. Um, I think it was a little faster, but not in an obvious way. I was typing and I was like, yeah, I feel like it is a little snappy, a little more responsive. Um, you know, the not replacing a notch with dynamic island is nice. Yeah. But it's not like it feels like I got this crazy upgrade. And to be it fair. It didn't really like move the needle in a big way. Not much. To be fair, I was upgrading from the 13 Pro Max. So... It was 
supposed to be an incremental update for me. Whereas if you're coming from the 11 and 11 Pro, you're going to notice a lot of these features more because yeah. you're upgrading several iterations and the speed of the processor in particular will feel really nice to you. Um, it is faster, but it's, uh, I don't know that's crazy faster. The third area though that I did appreciate a lot, I was texting you about this too, the camera. Yeah. That's uh, that's a, probably a big reason a lot of people are upgrading. Yeah. And so I'm curious, like the 48 megapixel camera, that's a huge leap. So at least you'd think. I have to, again, do a lot more hands-on with it before I have a thorough analysis. I really liked having the 2X option. So if, you have, if you're upgrading from the 13 Pro, it goes, your options are you have a 0.5, which is the wide-angle zoom, the 1x, which is your kind of classic zoom, and then it goes all the way to 3x, which I found was often too zoomed. Yeah. So now it gives you a 2x zoom, and I find that the 2x zoom is often the right amount of zoom for me, and I was pleasantly surprised by the quality because the 2x zoom, actually what they're doing, it's we, let, we talk a lot about this on the podcast, the difference between an optical zoom and a digital zoom. An optical zoom means you're actually using a different lens, Whereas a digital zoom, all you're doing is basically cropping the photo closer. And so it can get lower quality. It can get pixelated. It can get distorted. Right. This looked high quality because that, that's the whole idea with a 48 megapixel camera that at a 2x zoom, it's still a 12 megapixel shot. Yeah. So it is digital zoom to it do the 2x. It is a digital but zoom. But when you're starting with 48 megapixels, you're still getting to basically what the resolution, the max resolution used to be. And again, I need to test it more to see are there areas in which it does look distorted. But like I texted yeah. you that photo and it, it, it looked, it, yeah, it didn't it, look cropped. And it was difficult lighting, right? Like yeah. I sent a photo where I had low all light. sorts of different low light scenarios and it looked really high quality. So that I would say is probably the biggest reason to upgrade. Um, if you're on the 13 Pro like me, if you're on a previous version, I, in general, it's a great phone. It's faster. It the dynamic island is great, always on display better than expected. So I think that it's a weird mixed review for me because there's nothing about the phone I don't like. And I think all of the upgrades are nice, but none of them so far have blown me away. Right. One thing I wanted to ask about the camera is that my understanding is that in order to really capture all the quality in the photos that you can, you have to turn on raw photography like enable that okay. in your in your camera settings but that means that these photos are going to be bigger and take up more space so that's also like more of a mixed bag actually mm. than i originally thought when i chose to buy that phone i did get 256 gigabytes instead of the 128 and so i have more room to play with but i still don't know that i love actually the idea of these like massive like so much data in my photos that it's going to be like taking up way more space yeah i got i got the 256 gigabyte as well so we talked about this prior where i splurged a little bit because i just found even with 128 gigs i was sometimes having to manage the storage and it felt like that problem was only going to get worse and worse over time. So I just splurged. So it probably won't be that big of a deal. I didn't turn on raw. I mm -hmm. actually didn't like what, what features can you get by turning it on raw? I think that's like what you need in order to store like the full 48 megapixels of data okay. on your phone phone. That was like in one of the reviews I read, but I'll have, I want to follow up on that more to really understand. Like, I'm sure if you don't turn on raw, you're still getting some of the benefit of the 48 megapixels. I, I don't I totally so. understand, but, um, 
you know, to, in order to get like all of the data that this amazing camera can capture, then you should turn on the raw was my understanding. Okay. So I, this is again, well, we'll I'll do some hands-on experimenting and report back. Yeah, me too. Hopefully by two weeks when we do our next podcast, yeah. I'll have mine also. Oh, um, final thing. A couple things, actually. The camera's bulkier. It's each lens yeah. is a little bit thicker. Oh, not in the most noticeable of ways, but it was interesting. Also, okay. I have we the purple. Also, we have to talk about the purple. Yeah, so I will, if you're watching, I will try to take it out so you can see it. Um, in my experience, it's nice. It's a, it, it okay. looks less dusty. It's definitely yeah. like a muted purple. So it's not a very flashy purple. I'll hold it up to the display so you guys can see it if you're watching this podcast. Uh, I the think it's a, a nice purple. Yeah, and like so, there's the purple around the lens and on the sides it gives you actually more of the true purple, mm -hmm. and I like that. Like I that agree. has more of like a shiny purple hue, and then like the back of the phones, which they're always more that kind of milky glass look. Yeah, and that to me is where it does get into that kind of dusty purple color that is not my favorite, but it doesn't look bad. It looks less. It, I think it looks better in person than it did on the cameras like they did in the photos yeah the, the sort of dusty purple it's not objectionable and in fact i would say it's subtle in, yeah. a, in, a, in a pleasant way if it, if the whole phone were the bright purple that the where the camera is then i think it'd be a little bit too bright for me mm -hmm. so i was happy i went with it i don't know that it's my favorite of apple's colors of all time but i think it's a nice enough one now, what about the upgraded processor? Have you noticed a difference? Well, that's where I was talking about. I think it's a little faster. I've noticed it being slightly snappier. I noticed, especially when I was texting, like the responsiveness from my ta from my taps was really quick. But A, I'm updating from the iOS 13 Pro, so yeah. I already had a fast processor. B, it's hard to really measure it without putting it through like actual tests. Uh, so it wasn't in a dramatic way. There have yeah. been times where the processor was dramatic for me when I got a new phone and I was like, oh my God, this is so much faster. Mm -hmm. That was not my experience. But if you're coming from an 11 or a 10 or something like that, you're going to be really blown away. The 13 Pro was just already a very fast phone. Yeah. I like the purple more than I thought I was going to like it. Me too. I was pleasantly surprised by it. I, I kind of wish say. that I got that. Um, Cool. I mean, that's pretty much all the new stuff. I assume you haven't used emergency SOS yet. I thankfully have not. <laughs> um, yeah, like in general, it's supposed to be a lot better light capture with the photos. I mean, that'll be interesting to play with. Yeah, and I took some low light and they look good. I will say, and I don't know if this is anecdotal or not, but it felt like the camera took the photo faster, mm. which I liked. Uh, it was quick to take the photo where sometimes especially in low light it's been it's so slow pretty slow to process so like, I, like I actually that. don't like night mode usually for that reason like i you have to stand there for like over a second to like capture the photo and which <laughs> makes me sound really impatient but it's more just it's hard to hold it still yeah and, and sometimes get a photo. you're taking a photo of a dynamic situation like if you have your nephews or your niece or your nephew and they're yeah. like they're running around they don't want to stand there as you sit there and be like, wait 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 so i agree um yeah it seemed faster, but I, again, less than 24 hours, we will report back in two weeks. Yeah. So um, just in terms of the carrier situation, for those of you who haven't ordered yours yet, I, I thought it's worth weighing in a little bit, um, both on the cost and the speed of getting your device. When I looked into it, I was only going to get like $400 tops to trade in my iPhone 13 through the Apple website, oh, wow. whereas 
Verizon is giving me $800 trade in for my 13. And they told me I would get it end of September. Whereas with Apple, it was going to be like late October. I haven't gotten it yet. And we're Mm. recording this on October 4th. So we'll see, but I should be getting it any day now. Um, And so, yeah, I'm curious with other carriers, what people have experienced, but in my experience, Verizon had a much better deal than Apple itself. What about you? Uh, I had a 13 Pro Max. Verizon had a slightly better deal. I did not follow my own advice. And I did not shop it around until after. So I'm getting $725 for my uh, 13 Pro Max. Verizon was also offering me 800 So I probably yeah, should have done that. Much, but it was less of a difference. Yeah. Um, and I got it, I think, faster. But I think in general, start with your carriers, I have to say. But you can look on Apple's website. Here's a a little bit of a tip is you can look on Apple's website and they'll tell you what you'll get. And then the carriers, you often have to call them. So you can by the time you call the carriers, you should have looked at Apple's website so you can make a decision when you're on the phone. Mm. Well, question I wanted to ask you about your hands-on review that I'm just thinking of now is how did, did you, sometimes the new phones just run the latest operating system better? Have you found that like iOS 16 runs better on this than it did on your 13? I think so. I'm still sort of figuring it out because it's one of those things where it takes you a little while to figure out all the differences. But there were a few things where you, where I, I was using it and I was like, oh, this iOS 16 feature was designed for the new. Okay, yeah, I want to hear more about that. There were some user interface experiences where, uh, like with my password selection, for example, the way it pops up clearly is designed for to take advantage of the new dynamic island. Mm. And they're just, I don't have a lot of concrete examples yet. The lock screen can be buggy for me. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. There was a feeling like iOS 16 was running smoother, not just because of the new processor, but because it was sort of designed for the new phone. Yeah. Okay. I'm curious to get more hands on with that because iOS 16, I have to say, is still a little buggy for me. Yeah. Uh, especially with the lock screen, can just be a little strange. Yeah. So I'm hoping with a new phone, it'll it'll run even better. Um. So let's get into some of the gear that people c- should get for their new phones. Yeah. What, what have you started collecting the gear to support Only your new device little. yet? I'll tell you what I have on my phone now, and then we'll give a few recommendations. Mm, I see you got a spec case. Yeah. On. So uh, I like that. Yeah, the spec was, um, they sent me these cases, so uh, some of it was just out of, you know, convenience of this is what I had on hand. Um, But spec Presidio cases are often one of our favorites. Yeah. Because they find, you know, what what I tend to look for with the case is sort of a balance of three things. Like for it to look stylish or as stylish as you can, for it to be protective but still be lightweight. Sometimes the protective cases, in my opinion, go overboard and you don't get a lot of extra protection, but it's still pretty lightweight or but it's not lightweight. It's bulky. So Spec Presidio hits that balance, in my opinion. Um, So that's what I have. I also threw on their glass screen protector because I had it. Um, And the I think those are the two things I have on right now. So I did want to bring up the Belkin MagSafe charger because both of us were talking about earlier in the episode that we use that. So even with the always on display, would you still recommend the Belkin MagSafe charger? I will say yes. I think that A, Apple will fix this bug that I'm complaining about. B, it's possible that I just haven't solved it yet and it is fixable. And C, I think that you do not want to be plugging your phone in anymore. I think that if I had to choose between a MagSafe charger and my always on display i would choose my magsafe charger so even in that scenario i think that's where i would choose and for some people like for me i like to have it in my bedroom 
but for some people you don't even need to do that either so yes we both have a belkin magsafe charger and we both love it yeah so the one i have it's the belkin three-in-one wireless charger with magsafe that's 15 watts mm-hmm. um the three-in-one meaning that it has so it's like a dock that has a magsafe charger for my phone that props it up also at a usable angle so i can have it you know if i'm watching a video or struggling have a recipe up it's like at an angle where i can actually look at it it's not just lying flat which well, is nice and to me this is the scenario that comes up a lot more because typically when i dock it it's because i'm like going ready getting ready to go to bed or something like that but if somebody texts me or if i get a notification i can see across the room what that notification is yeah and that i got a notification which is nice because that i take advantage of a lot yeah and that's also nice if, if you use it at your desk like i have this at home uh, in my bedroom, but I also have a similar charger by Otterbox. I'll link to that in the show notes too at my desk at work. And it's nice having your phone at a viewable angle like that. I agree. And MagSafe is really nice because it both prop it holds it securely there, but you can just pick it up and grab it when you're leaving for lunch. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to like unplug the lightning connector. So it's much more convenient. It also has a nice little dock for your Apple Watch right next mm-hmm. to it. That's also MagSafe. And then below has a Qi wireless charging mat that you can use for your AirPods. Um, I think you can use it for other things too, but I use it just for my AirPods. It's got an indentation where it's really designed for the AirPods. Yeah, like AirPods I have shaped. the exact same one. Uh, for, so two things. Number one, let me back up and define MagSafe. So MagSafe cool. is a magnetic ring on the that is built into a lot of Apple products, including the iPhone, starting, I believe, with the iPhone 12. Uh, either 12 or 13, but I think 12. All the years blend together. I know, it's a blur. Uh, (laughs) And so it's a magnetic ring built into the phone that you can use to charge your device. Also, like we're saying, it's because it's magnetic, it holds the device securely as it charges. I find it really convenient because often with the traditional Qi wireless charging mats, you have to get it perfectly aligned and it's annoying to do and sometimes it gets misaligned and then you don't charge your phone. The other thing is it actually charges it at a higher wattage than a traditional Qi wireless charging mat. So it charges it faster. Um, like twice as fast. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. The second point, I have the same one. Not only is, is it nice because uh, the MagSafe, but also it looks nice. It's really sleek. It has a stainless steel uh, I, what rod. Stem. I stem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That looks really sleek. Uh, the the base is either white or black, and it's a nice matte finish. So in general, I find that oftentimes these sort of products, these docks, don't look nice. They're kind of cheap, generic plastic looking, whereas this looks very nice. And that's particularly useful because you tend to keep this in your bedroom or in a prominent space. Another product I wanted to recommend is like, I still think as much as it's nice to have MagSafe chargers and you should have one if you have a phone that supports it, you also still want good cables. Yes. Uh, And Smartish sent me a cable that has a lightning USB-C and micro USB attachment on the end of it. And that's really nice because I have a ton of USB-C third-party accessories now, including some cool new Sony headphones that Mm -hmm. I love. So I can charge that. I can charge my phone. Um, and I can, uh, and I can charge my Bluetooth speakers that are often micro USB. Yeah. All it, in one. That is really, I love the like three in ones. And yeah. I will say in particular, so one of my major pet peeves with Apple right now, that I didn't mention in my new phone, they don't give you an adapter anymore. 
You have to go out and buy an adapter. Such a You're bummer. spending $1,000. In my case, I spent like $1,200 on this phone. They could give me a plastic adapter. Are you kidding I me? I know. And Apple kind of tried to make it sound like they're being like somehow revolutionary That's by not doing it. part of what made it. me angry yeah. is they were trying to tell me they were saving the environment. And I'm like, are you or are you saving some money? I know. Because so, people are, still need to buy an adapter. Yeah. <laughs> With that in mind, I recommend getting a USB-C to lightning ad adapter and cable so that you can rapid charge. We talk about this sometimes on the show, but right now USB-C is the smaller of the USB of the USBs. It's uh, also reversible where USB-A is the traditional one we're all used to. USB-C charges it. It's called rapid charging and it you can get I think 50, I believe it's 50% charge in half an hour. And it works. Like that's not just marketing. Especially for me, because I have the Max, it's really changed the way I use my phone because I don't have to charge it at night. I do sometimes, but if I'm lazy or if I'm traveling or something, all I need is to have 15 to 20 minutes, half an hour max of plugging my phone in during the day with a rapid charger and I'm good to go all day. And so that is really useful. I can just do it while I shower or something like that. So I definitely recommend that. Um, we, you said the stylish three-in-one cable. I've had really good luck with uh, Anchor. It's not like the most exciting of brands, but they sold on Amazon. They're cheap and afford and also high quality. You really, for adapters and cables, want to make sure you're getting high quality mm -hmm. uh, because if you get a really cheap Amazon one, it can break your phone. So Anchor is that middle ground for me where it's affordable, it's on Amazon, but it's also high enough quality where I feel safe. I feel like there's some other staples that you must have. A screen protector is one of them. You mentioned yes. you have one from spec on your phone, right? Yeah. Um, but in general, I feel like you have opinions about what type of screen protector uh, you need, to, right? Like, my, my biggest opinion is that you need one. Yeah, so that first like and even foremost, more so than a case. Yeah. Um, in general, the kind of dirty secret behind the screen protectors is that almost all of them are made from the same glass. So it doesn't matter too much. Like tempered uh, glass. T yeah, they're made from tempered glass. And... Uh, so first of all, I recommend finding one that has an applicator with it. Yes. That helps you align it because it's so easy to misalign it. And uh, if and you it, have like a fingerprint or like some sort of little crumb under there that's stuck, like the, you can avoid that with an applicator. And that's the kind of thing that's going to drive you bonkers. Yeah. Also, when you are applying it, if you do get one, take your time and make sure you've really thoroughly cleaned it. Use the little sticky thing to get rid of all the dust. Because mm -hmm. if you get a piece of dust under there, it's there for two years. I mean, it drives you <laughs> crazy. Uh, I haven't thoroughly tested this. It did have an applicator. Uh, the companies that I tend to trust on this are Zag ha is sort of the OG of screen protectors. They have high quality ones. Yeah, I like theirs. Uh, also, Belkin has high quality ones that are very well reviewed. Otterbox has ones that are well reviewed. And then a fourth company that I was reading online, I've never tested it, but I was preparing for this and I read online that this is one of the ones that gets recommended a lot is a company called Spigen. It used to be called SPG, but then they got fancy and so Spigen. Uh, and they are very well regarded online. It's sold on Amazon. They're a little cheaper, which is why. Um, I wanted to mention a couple of things with screen protectors too. And one of them is that you have choices now between there's like antimicrobial coatings on yeah. them. There's uh, blue light blocking ones. There's privacy screens. And of those things, I'd say like with antimicrobial coating, both on cases and 
screen protectors, like why not? It seems yeah. like a nice thing just to cut down on germs wherever possible, but still you should like Clorox wipe your phone at least a couple times a week, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, privacy screens, I'm not a huge fan of. I hate um, Because if you have screens. it even a little bit at an angle, it, it makes it so you can't see your own screen either. Yeah. So not a huge fan of that myself. Uh, the blue light blocking is, I would say, fine. But because now you have, um, what is it? There's a setting on your phone that already at night, night shift, yeah. that already changes the hue of your device um, to match the time of day to help not mess with your circadian rhythms and sleep. I think it's a little bit just like an extra thing that's going to make your screen protector more expensive and you don't need it because you can get them under 50 bucks if you just get tempered glass. Otherwise, you can start getting like up, up, like close to 100 yeah. for like screen protectors. Yeah. I mean, I think even the pricier ones are closer to 50. Yeah. Spigen was 20, just to put a range on this. Um, also, the problem with the blue light blocking screen protectors is that they turn your screen just slightly yellow, mm. which kind of irks me a little. I kind of want yeah. the true tones. Um, there is an a additional category because I agree with you, privacy screens I hate. Um, Blue light I've used in the past and they're good, but this year I am opting out. Anti-glare is one that I haven't tested, but is mm. a newer technology. Otterbox has it, and I think a couple other companies that I haven't tested, but I'm kind of curious about because they say that you... Like out in the sun. It's easier to see your phone in the sun, and they even claim that it saves battery life because you don't need to increase the brightness as much. Oh, so I would be interested to try that. I, we will test that and report back, but that was some research I was doing. Cool. Okay, like lastly, I wanted to, to throw out earbuds because I feel like everyone needs a good pair of earbuds to go with their device. Yeah. We love AirPods at iPhone Life, but I also love my new Sony Link Buds. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Sony sent me, and they're cheaper because the new AirPods, if you're getting the AirPods Pro 2, they're $250. Yeah. Uh, whereas the Sony Link Buds are under 200 They also have noise cancellation and a lot of advanced features. In general, they're really lightweight and comfortable. They fit in my ears. They don't fall out. So I've been really happy with them because the latest line of AirPods don't work for my ears. I know Donna. Donna's had a really tough time with getting the AirPods to fit in her ears, which yeah. is fair. And sound based purely on sound quality, typically third party like Sony are better. Yeah, Sony's I, are really good. I am an AirPod loyalist because it just works. And I AirPods are or earpods are something that I've had traditionally. You have to fuss with a lot. And AirPods just work so seamlessly for me that I'm a little bit of a loyalist. But are you thinking to get the new AirPods Pro 2? No, or? because I uh, we've talked about this, but I don't actually like sound noise cancellation on my AirPods. I like because of how I use them. I typically use them in areas where I want to be able to hear ambient noise. I also don't like the fit of the Pros because it it's a it seals to cancel noise, whereas I like a looser fit where I can hear what's around me. It's a little more comfortable. Mm. So I'm very happy with my, I think I have the AirPods 3. Um, a couple other products to throw out there, and we'll keep covering these in the next few months as more things come out. Uh, as far as cases, we talked about the spec. I also really like Nomad. They have a leather case uh, that is, I think just looks pretty nice compared to a lot of the options out there. When purchasing a case the main thing i recommend you be careful of is make sure that it's magsafe compatible not all cases are so you want to make sure you're getting a magsafe compatible case so that you can use magsafe features like charging uh and then a final magsafe product that i love it's not for everybody but i have the apple wallet 
And this is my wallet now. I use it. it. It's not for everybody because it only holds two cards and that's it. You can't carry cash with you. Um, so it's a major trade-off, but I've been really happy with it. Uh, and I've largely have not missed carrying ca cash with me. Uh, and the, one of the features of it that I recommend going with the Apple leather instead of a third party is it has uh, Find My built-in. So if it ever disconnects, it'll tell me where it disconnected and I can go find it. And I've actually, unfortunately, had to use that to find my wallet for. That's interesting. I... Um... I, I, the find my is a really nice extra feature, but I was going to say casemate and smartish both send us cases. Uh, and I have my dad testing them right now. One of them casemate has a square case that he's been really into and liking. It just has square edges. So like even it just already the new phones have flat edges. Um, I, how do I describe this? But there's, they're rounded, uh, like the, the, the rounded corners rounded corners are like on certain sides but it is like flat when, when uh the screen to the sides of your phone is flat but this makes it so that the actual shape of your phone looks like square altogether which i wasn't sure if i liked or not but he's into yeah, it i'm trying to understand the appeal of that yeah but okay. <laughs> i'll link in the show notes so you can see what it looks like because i was having a hard time figuring out how to describe that but smartish has a MagSafe compatible wallet that sticks to the back of it and okay. his case is, is MagSafe compatible so like there are third parties out there that get you all this stuff for cheaper because yeah. Apple's ones are always going to be more expensive yeah but that find my feature the find my was really what sold it for me because I yeah. think it matters and it's not that expensive it's like 60 bucks or something like that the thing that I wish that they had was a little more functionality with the case so that they had like a third pocket where I could put some cash I can't carry cash with me anymore, <laughs> which sometimes is a problem. Yeah, I hardly ever carry cash anywhere. Yeah, but I don't anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, so those of you at home for our second question of the week, let us know what your hands-on experiences are with your new iPhone 14 line. It doesn't have to be the Pro Max like David's. Uh, email podcast at iphonelife.com and let us know. We'll be back in two weeks. Hopefully by then I'll have some hands-on review of my 14 Pro to share with you as well. And David will have two more weeks under his belt. Yeah. Might have some changed opinions on Always On and the Dynamic Island, etc. So thank you so much for listening. And uh, insiders, stick around for our special complaints and learning section. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Thanks, everyone.